She is my number one intercessor. All right, welcome. So glad you're here. We have been in a series on follow, following Christ, the church, learning how to follow Christ for some time now, and we're going to end it today. Praise God. Everybody say amen. Amen. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. This has been a pretty lengthy process, and, and let me just say, I'm going to try hard to shorten my series a little bit. I kind of feel like we, uh, kind of feel like I take us on kind of a long road sometimes, and, and it can get weary. Um, however, I believe this has been a good road, starting with the House of Cards and then following into uh, recognizing it's the Holy Spirit that we have in us, that when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, He does come into our hearts, not the man, but the Spirit. He is with us everywhere we go. He is our strong tower. The same spirit that's in me is the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I think we haven't really grasped that. That is the spirit that's in this place right now. Do you hear me? I think that we can go so numb and get so used to church that we forget that the spirit of God is here ready to move on your behalf. That was pathetic. Who here needs a move of God in your life? Let me tell you, I need a move of God in my life. Anybody here gotten a bad report this week? We get bad reports. It happens. But my life is not defined by a bad report. My life is defined by the Word of God, and the Word of God doesn't change. My situations change, but my, my Word that God has for me never changes. If I stand on circumstances, I'm going to be tossed to and fro everywhere I go. But if I stand on God's word and on his promise and on his spirit, I'm not getting tossed at all. My preaching's better than your responding. You guys try to try to work on that, please. Okay, somebody needs breakthrough. And it's vital. And it's only going to come from one spot, one place, and that place is Christ. Okay, so as we end, we're ending today on following Christ. Church, I've got a pretty, I feel like I've got a great word, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to shake you a little bit. We're going to see what you're made of today. Amen? All right, Romans 10, 9. This is a scripture that, uh, Mikey, I'm just not even going to get out my phone. God must really be moving. That was a joke. Um, Romans 10, 9 is a scripture that, almost every pastor uses when it's altar call time for people to give their heart to the Lord. And it's still relevant today to those that don't know, don't know Christ. And I want you to know this message today is, is for the unchurched, it's for the unsaved, it's for the person that doesn't know anything about God, but it is also for the church, especially for the church. So church, put your thinking caps on. If you confess with your mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. Someone said that Jesus is Lord. That's right. And believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. When you give your heart to the Lord, when you walk forward and answer that call to, to let Jesus be Lord of your life, a miracle, an amazing miracle happens. The nature of sin and death that you were born with instantly passes away and a brand new creation is born. Created in the very image of Jesus. 
And this fresh birth, this new birth, pertains to uh, the spirit, our spirit, our real being, not our natural fleshly body. I want you to know our natural fleshly physical body is still corrupt and will one day pass away. So let me give you an example. Someone that's 80 years old finally gives their heart to Christ. They are a new creation, but their body is still an 80-year-old body. They don't all of a sudden get a 10-year-old body. Let me tell you, 80-year-olds would be giving their heart to the Lord like crazy if that, if that was the case. Amen? But the body is still corrupt. It's still going to die. It's going to go back into the earth from where we came. But our spirit, is we're given a new spirit, a new creation. We are a new person. Right? And this new life comes through the, a gift of God's grace and is no way attached to your good behavior or any kind of works that you've done. You can't earn this one. You can't be good enough. You're not. You're not good enough. You can't earn it. This one is given to you if you will receive it. But it's important to point out that the scripture from Romans that we just read states that you must confess the Lord Jesus and not the Savior Jesus. Put your thinking caps on. Here lies, herein lies the fundamental flaw in the Western church. The word Lord in the Greek is the word kurios, which means master, owner, and supreme in authority. To confess Jesus as merely our Savior does not bring freedom or new life. And I realize this is a strong statement because this is the appeal that we make to the lost. And it, that, that would be correct. But this is true to Scripture. I want, you to, I want you to hear me. The word Savior is used in Scripture 36 times. The word Lord occurs over 7,800 times. Do you see the balance? Which one do you think the Lord is saying is more important? Which one has more emphasis? Now hear me. Lord declares the position that he holds in our life. Savior is the works that he's done in our life. God, Jesus Christ, is our Savior. A work that he has done in our life is he has saved us. What you know, another work that Jesus Christ does is he is healer. He is Savior. He is Redeemer. But the position that He requires of you is for Him to be Lord. You catch me? I'm not second-rating Savior at all. I'm just putting in front, Lord. Is He Lord? I'm going to show you from Scripture. Because we cannot partake in the benefit of His work unless we come under His position as Lord and king. Amen? You with me so far? It's okay. Because the Western church, and what I mean by the Western church is I mean we are in America are a nation that has a democracy. We have a president. We do not have a king. So, so many times we struggle to be able to line up or even understand what it means to be in a kingdom and how a king operates. We only understand kind of how our government is. But this Western church has emphasized the work that Jesus did for us as Savior rather than emphasizing his position as Lord. And in doing so, we have this lack of submission to his position of authority, and it creates this huge fault or crack 
in our foundation. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, And now, just as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow, grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Paul doesn't state, as you have accepted Christ as your Savior, he says, Christ as your Lord, and our lives must be built upon this foundation of his position as Lord, his Lordship, not based on him being our Savior. Another way to say this is, um, we submit to him as our supreme and only King, then we benefit from his salvation. Are you guys with me? Christ saved me at five years old. His work of salvation took place in my life at five. My name was written in the uh, Lamb's Book of Life, never to be blotted out again, never to be questioned again. I believe that he saved me at five, but him becoming Lord started there. Was he ever Lord? Yes, he saved me, but now my part is for him to be positioned in my life as Lord. This plays out practically for him to be Lord of my life by me being having a firm adherence to his word, to wisdom, to his counsel, to his directives, to his correction and instruction, instruction whether I understand the reason for it or not. We no longer feed from the tree of our own evaluation of what is right or wrong. We live in him and his life becomes ours. You know, when Adam and Eve ate from that tree, they were trying to hang on and have the knowledge to themselves. And the Lord said, no, I am your life. It's not in your hands. That decision to go take it into your own hands is what man has been doing forever. And that is replacing him as Lord and putting us on that throne. Amen? One of you've got it. So Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, We know that our old, sinful life, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Did you catch that? When we died with Christ, then we were set free from the power of sin. When we died with Christ. Um, I'm going to be starting a new series in two weeks. Something I've really had on my heart for about a year. Um, and it's a spoof off a TV show that I do not promote nor recommend. But it's going to be called Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad Habits. Breaking Bad Thoughts. Um, breaking Bad Words. Breaking Bad Traditions. But I want you to know once and for all, Christ broke bad. All the power of sin that's over your life has come under his authority. He's put his spirit in us and has given us the power to win over sin. That power is in you. And you guys are not responding at all. I know I preached the last couple weeks about how we handle ourselves in church when the spirit moves. <laughs> but please, we can still shout and we can still amen and we can still smile. And, you know, we can be us. You know, when the Spirit of God moves, we want to make sure that we, we, heart, we grab hold of that and we catch it. I so desire the Spirit to move in this place. But don't, don't lock up on me. 
okay? Um, but Christ, once and for all, has given us the power over sin. Amen. Thank you. Come on. Church, don't tune me out. I desire, uh, it's, so, uh, it's so heavy on my heart that you grasp this. Because this, this message, Christ being Lord of your life, is the key to your freedom. Christ being Lord. And the truth gets even more exciting. As we embrace the cross, it does more than just free us from sin. It enables us to live in obedience to him. That may sound very minor. It's huge. What was previously impossible to do on our own ability, we can now do. We can walk with Christ. We can imitate Christ. We can follow him. I want you to know before I knew Christ, I could not do the things he's called me to do. But this may sound like a strong statement. I believe that if you have the power of Christ in you and you are following his word, you can overcome sin for the rest of your life with Christ. You don't have to succumb to sin anymore. I know as Christians we still make mistakes, and I have certainly sinned since I've been five years old. Those of you who know me know that's true. Thank you. It's the truth. I've got nothing to hide. I'm a sinner. People argue that. Can't say you're a sinner now that you're in Christ. No, I'm sorry. I've sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In one way, I'm ashamed of it, but I'm not ashamed to tell you. I've also overcome. And I also have in me the power to overcome any sin that faces me from here on out. Now, will we make mistakes? Sure, I do make mistakes, but I believe if I will genuinely place Christ as Lord and follow that the rest of my life, I don't have to lose to sin anymore. What a, what a revelation. I can now follow Jesus. But Jesus warned that after he left, that there would be a gospel that would be proclaimed and widely accepted that would offer salvation apart from lordship. And this widespread and heretical message would reduce Lord to a mere title rather than a position that Jesus holds in people's lives. And church, we're there. We are there. I'm not trying to say the church on the hill nor you individually, but I want you to know the church of Jesus Christ is there. I believe for the most part Christ is not Lord. I'm going to show you from Scripture. People will call him Lord, but they will not deny themselves. They will not take up their cross and follow him. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to this. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been teaching. He taught us the Beatitudes. He has been teaching um, starting in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. If you remember from a couple years ago, we went through these three chapters very much in depth, depth. It almost took me a year to get through it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What's he saying? I believe that Jesus was identifying people who believe in the teachings of the gospel. Did you hear that? They call him Lord. People are coming and saying, Lord, Lord. 
They're emotionally invested. They give voice to the message. They are active in Christian service. They go to church. They participate in outreach. They believe the message. James tells us that we can hear it, but there's another step to it. And these are people in the church. People are coming to him, and I'm going to show you. It's going to go to another whole step. But the next verse, verse 22, he says again, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? They've done the stuff. They've laid hands on the sick, and the sick have recovered. They have prophesied correctly. Do you hear me? They've done the church stuff. They've seen the power of God. I want you to know that kingdom principles, God's word, will prove itself to be true every time, whether you're saved or not, whether he's Lord or not. His word will be true. I can go apply his principles and him not be Lord. Do you hear me? It's a position. Where is God in my life? They've done this stuff. Stuff. What's the separating factor? If we went back to verse 21, it said, those who do the will of my Father in heaven. But then the next verse, verse 23, says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These people have done the stuff. They've prophesied. They've performed miracles. They've cast out demons. What's the key statement here? Practice lawlessness. In the Greek, it's translated as a condition of being without law, either because of ignorance or just because of flat-out rebellion. Simply put, one who practices lawlessness, one who is lawless, does not adhere to the law. Spiritually put, one that is spiritually lawless is one who does not adhere to God's word. What did he say before? Those that call out, Lord, Lord, I don't know you because you do not do what my father says to do. So let's keep this going. You guys are all happy and excited. Let's keep going. First John chapter 2, verse 3. When we obey God, we are sure that we know him. But when we claim to know him and don't obey him, we are lying and the truth isn't in our hearts. Now, I want to give a little bit of a, a word here about obedience to the Lord. The Lord does not require us to be obedient to him until he has given us his spirit. And what I want you to realize is that when we really become a new person, we receive a new spirit. We receive the mind of Christ. We receive the heart of Christ. But I believe we also receive the heart to do what the Father is asking. I want you to know that Jesus Christ desired to do what the Father was asking. It wasn't God the Father pressing down on Jesus with an with a iron fist, forcing him to do what he was being asked to do. No, Jesus had a heart to do what his father was asking him to do. Do you see that? Jesus does not, the Lord does not require us to follow him without him already imparting into us the ability to follow him. 
So as you begin to walk this walk with Christ and placing him as your Lord, you know what? It's going to go against your flesh. But I want you to know your spirit is going to win. Not only is it going to win and you're going to be obedient, but you're going to love to be obedient. It's not going to be this walk where it's just torture to be able to follow Christ. No, he's never called us to be tortured in following him. He's taught us to learn to trust him. As he loves us, we begin to love him by loving to follow him and do what he's called us to do. Do you follow that? It's a heart change. Anybody ha- ever had someone in authority over you that you just loved to follow? Have you ever had people that you've hated to follow? We know the difference. But the genuine relationship, the heart turned to God will give you a heart to love to do what he's called you to do. Because it's good. What it produces is good. It surpasses anything that you could ever produce on your own. It changes lives. It rescues souls. When we obey God, we are sure that we know him. But if we claim to know him and don't obey him, we are lying and the truth isn't in our hearts. To use God is to seek him for what we can get out of him, even if it's only to make it to heaven. But to serve and follow God is to be motivated entirely by our love for him. And if we love him, we'll keep his words. The deciding factor is, have we really taken up our cross? And are we following him? And in essence, the fruit of that matter is, are we obedient to him? Let's end with Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. The next statement. Now, as we bring it up, the first word you see is what? Will you say it? Anytime you see the word therefore, you got to ask yourself, what is it therefore? Don't ever start reading a scripture at therefore because you've missed every instruction that has led up to what's about to come. Many of us read this scripture, I'm the head and not the tail, but you've not read what, what it's there for. It doesn't have a therefore before you're the head and not the tail, you're above and not beneath, you're blessed in the city and blessed in the country. But if you'll go and look before that, it tells those who are. You can't just go claim it, even though I want to. Those who hear my words and obey my words, they're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the country. You could claim it all day long, but if you're not fulfilling the first part, Good luck with that one. So what's it there for? What's he saying? Those that have said, Lord, Lord, not following my Father's will, those that have said, Lord, Lord, and have performed all these miracles throughout the earth, but they practice lawlessness, right? Then he said, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Next verse. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to him a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these saying of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell and it was a great fall. If you go back to Deuteronomy, back to that head and not the tail above and not beneath, 
you know, it says those who do my, my word, who, who are obedient to my word and follow my word, hear my word and obedient, obedient to it. We like to grab hold of those great things and not really worry about what was said before. But if you'll go ahead and keep reading, it'll tell you if you don't do his word, all these other things follow. Now, we don't go grab hold of that one. I'm cursed in the city and cursed in the country. I haven't ever heard anybody walk around and proclaim that one in the church. Right? But that's what it says. It's like here, those that hear my word and do it is going to be a house built on a rock. Storms are going to come and it's not going to fall. Storms are going to come, but your house isn't going to fall. If you're not doing his word, storm's going to come. Both houses, storm comes. This one falls. And it doesn't just say it falls. It's a great fall. Right? Don't forget, this parable relates to his warning about the many who will be denied entrance into heaven. I want you to know, church on the hill, your life is in the balance. This is Jesus, that people are coming to him saying, Lord, Lord, and he says, I don't know you. If you examine the two groups, it all comes down to a slight difference. They both hear it. Listen to me, church. Both houses were built with the same material. They both heard it. They both heard God's word. Did you catch that? Whoever hears thee saying of mine, verse 20, 24 says, whoever hears thee saying of mine. Verse 26 says, but whoever hears these sayings of mine. Both homes were built with the same material, heard by what he said. One family did it, one family didn't. Hearing good teaching is great, but it's only one part of the process. Hearing it is great. Coming to church and hearing a great sermon is great. Going to life group is great. Reading the word of God is great. But it's one piece. I want you to know my heart is burdened for you. Circumstances are going to continue to come. I want you to know I got me and my family got a horrible report this week. Terrible. But it doesn't define us. The word of God says our house will not fall. If I allow the circumstances to carry me to and fro, I'm going to be beat to death. I'm going to be no good to my wife, no good to my family, no good to myself, no good to you. But I must stay connected to the word of God and do it. Because the storm come is not a reason to stop doing it. It just wants to throw you off. The storms are going to come and it's not time to build your house in a storm. If that's the best you can do, then by George, do it. If you're in a storm and you've not been building your house on, on, on God's word, start. Start. God will rescue you right now, right where you are. These things that he is, even though he is Lord of my life, he's also my restorer, my redeemer, my healer. He's all these things, but is he Lord? Church, is he Lord? Our house, this church, Church on the Hill, must be founded on the lordship of, lordship of Jesus Christ. Both heard the word, one did it. 
do we think we know what's best to do for our lives or do we genuinely trust God? I want you to know those that genuinely trust God do it. Those that don't, don't. And then we blame God. And says, wait a minute. I told you the storms are going to come. And if you're just a hearer and not a doer, you're going to be tossed to and fro like waves on the sand. You're going to even forget who you are. The price that I paid for you, you're going to forget. You're going to forget that you're a son of God when the storm comes. Because it says, if you're not doing my word, you don't know me. Christ says, if you're not doing my word, if you're not a doer, you don't even know me. You say you know me, but you don't know me. And it even says, and I'm not in you. Did y'all catch that? We obey God, we're sure that we know him, but when we claim to know him and don't obey him, we're lying and the truth isn't in our hearts. Do you know who the truth is? The Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of truth. Church, I want to ask you, is Christ Lord of your life? Prove it. Not to me. You will stand before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord. And the most important words that you're going to get is going to be what he says after that. Amen. You guys stand up with me and let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for truth. And I thank you that you love us so much that you gave everything for us. But Lord, we've got to accept it. We've got to receive it, and we've got to walk in it. Your gift of salvation was given to us. There was nothing we could do for that one. You just did it. But you being Lord of our life is all on us. It's now our responsibility to know you and to follow you. You've already done everything. The part that you haven't done, we have to do. We follow. And the way that we follow is by knowing you being changed by you and loving you by doing what it is that you've called us to do. You may be here today and never made that first time commitment to the Lord. And I want you to know it is a wonderful thing and it is your only hope. I hate to paint an ugly picture, but if you don't receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are going to hell. This may be the first time you've ever even heard that. But I want you to know that hell's a real place and I don't want you to find out the hard way. Christ gave his life for you for this moment right now. He is calling you to a place of freedom and of peace and of love. A place that you cannot even begin to completely understand. But it says in Romans 10, 9 that if you'll just confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. He will save you right now, right where you sit. In an instant, the Spirit of God will come into your life. And you'll be a new creature, cleansed of all sin. Everything you've ever done has been will be, be, will be paid for. It's been paid for. And then the process starts, the transformation of following Christ. You may be here today. 
And you may say, Pastor, I was saved at a young age, but the Lord's not been Lord of my life. Or he was Lord, and I've replaced him as Lord. He's not on the throne anymore. I am. Well, I want you to know it's an old school thing in the Baptist church that we call rededication. Will you just wipe that clean? I don't like religious stuff. It's time for the Lord to take the throne in your life. Would you let him and really walk out of here today pursuing after the Lordship of Christ? It is so good. You will be the head and not the tail. You will be above and not beneath. You will be the lender and not the borrower. Blessed will you be in the city and blessed will you be in the country. And you will receive rain even on the non-rainy months. I thank you, Lord. Would you turn your heart to Him? Your life, your family lays in the balance. We just bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.